0: When Andrew was 13, he liked a girl named Grace, so he wrote her a poem in his journal. Because you're beautiful. Because you're
1: kind. Because you smile the way you do, and look at me with your eyes, too. Because I'll always love you. That was written for a girl named Grace, the next entry. Well, so much for Grace. (laughs)
0: That's Andrew, reading from the journal he kept when he was 13. I'm Dan Meisner, and this... This is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. Welcome! Nice to see you! Holy smokes! This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up. This time, recorded live at the Transact Club in Toronto, we have unintended flatulence, a risky trip to second base, and a sharply worded letter to the editor. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and it can show us not only how much we've changed, but also how much we've stayed the same. So think about who you were when you were a kid, and stick around. Support for this podcast comes from State Farm. With surprisingly great rates, State Farm is the real deal when it comes to home and car insurance. State Farm agents are always ready to help you personalize your insurance plan so you can create a policy that fits your needs. You can manage your coverage, pay your bill, or even file a claim right from your phone with the State Farm mobile app. And you can always call one of the State Farm agents in neighborhoods across the country. Get a great rate without sacrificing great service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Families have all kinds of holiday traditions, and when our next reader, Erin, was a kid, her family would send out an annual Christmas letter, kind of a recap about what had happened that year, and a way to keep friends and family up to date. Now, when Erin was 10, she convinced her mom to let her write the family Christmas letter. Please welcome to our stage, Erin.
2: Uh, keep in mind that this is what I deemed the most important things of the entire year <laughs> to share with my family. Dear relatives, I, Erin Melnick, am writing this letter quite successfully for Bonnie. <laughs> At school, things have been going pretty well. <laughs> I'm not so sure about Dad, though. <laughs> having a bit of trouble. (laughs) But luckily, he got it under control in time before the Super Bowl. (laughs) We had a big party. We had an especially designed cake for the two teams. Corey got dressed in the colors for his team, the 49ers. Unfortunately, Alex was rooting for the Chargers. We also had salt and vinegar chips. (laughs) We had a super time. The 49ers won 49 to 26, I think. Mom painted the walls upstairs snowy pink, which is a kind of white. She sponged over it in seascape, which is a medium pink. Our doors are going to be seascape. Alex and Corey did not like the idea. Tough luck. I love it. Mom says it is time for bed. Wait, one more thing. Please, Mom. She says yes. My oboe that I play is starting to sound professional. Well, if it's morning, goodbye, and if it's night, good night. <laughs> Lots of love from the Melnicks.
0: Some kids just want to be taken seriously. I certainly remember that feeling, whether it was with my teachers, my family, the staff at my dentist's office. I really wanted the adults in my life to know that I had ideas, that I had opinions, that I had insight that might benefit the grown-up world. Now, looking back, I probably was not in a position to contribute much to adult conversations, at least not in a meaningful way, but I certainly wanted to. And when our next reader, Brian, was 10, he too wanted to participate in grown-up conversation, to be part of the public discourse.
3: I was a pretty opinionated little kid. And uh, when I was 10, I read this column in Toronto Star where the author was making the case that summer vacation was bad for kids and that we should have year-round school. Being 10, I was deeply offended by this suggestion. And my parents said, well, if you feel that way, then why don't you write a letter to the editor? So I did. I'm a 10-year-old in grade five at Henderson Avenue Public School in York region. I have some comments regarding the Frank Jones (laughs) column, for kids' sake, let's have all year school that I read in the life section on September 5th. I think that year-round school in Canada is a bad idea. Sure. It can work in the southern states, bracket Florida, California, South Carolina, etc., because the weather is nice all year round. But in Canada, the summer is too short and too precious to be wasted in a classroom. I realize that there is an experiment with year-round education going on in London, Ontario, but I don't think that it will work. The classroom is not the only place where you can learn. (laughs) This past summer, I learned how to play golf, (laughs) make a robot, and I also learned criminology. Then, when I went to sleepover camp in Gravenhurst, Ontario, I learned how to do things that I would never do at home. I learned how to do things like play guitar, water ski, and sail. I can't do any of those things, by the way. (laughs) Sleepover camp can only work in the summer. The summer nights are cold enough as it is up north. For example, if people went to sleepover camp in the fall, people would catch colds just by sleeping at night. I realize that I'm lucky to have been given the chance to go to sleepover camp, and it's not always possible for everyone. But there are inexpensive camps out there, and if you look hard enough, you can find them. Plus, with year-round education, people who work at places like Paramount Canada's Wonderland and Wild Water Kingdom might get laid off. The bottom line is that year-round education won't work in Canada, and I still believe that. Thank you.
0: Poetry is always popular at Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids. Some of the poems we hear are angsty, some of them are sweet. But our next reader, Sarah, she brought along a few poems written in grade two that can only be described as melancholy.
4: The first poem is untitled. As the world turns, the moon shines and the sun burns. I know there are people that are better than me. (laughs) But still the world is the best place to be. I have a caring family that love me. What else do I need more than that? (laughs) This poem's titled, What's the Use? (laughs) What's the use to sing if you have no tune? What is the use to hear if you can't listen? What is the use of trying when everything goes wrong? Everything is an art. All have some, not all. Do the ones you can, because no one is perfect, not even you.
0: (laughs) When Marcia was 13, she was, in her own words, wildly in love with her friend's brother's friend. And she wrote all about that feeling in her diary. A quick heads up, Marsha's diary includes a few cuss words, which we do not bleep. There is your heads up. Live on stage in Toronto, here's Marcia.
5: Um So first I should tell you that in England we don't really do slow dancing. Um, and also some words. Fancy means like romantically like. Boost means like, a, like an ego boost. And get off with means... Kiss with tongues. <laughs> Saturday, nineteenth of January, nineteen ninety-one. Tonight we were at Georgina's birthday party with about ten boys. Georgina's brother's friend Sean was there. I met him a couple of times before, and once we were this close to getting off with each other, but we didn't. Then after that, Gemma Smith told me that he fancied me. Anyway, first of all, when he came in, we both went, "Wow, hi," etc. And gave each other a big hug. Then whenever we passed each other, we'd kind of put our arms around each other as a kind of slidey half hug. And then we'd talk to each other all night. So I thought, oh, good, good. But then they were playing Lady in Red, and I see him going and asking Emily Richardson to dance and I was really pissed off because I quite liked him by then Monday 21st of Jan 1991 told Catherine about Sean every time I remember something he said or did I just fancy him so much I'm just a love junkie I guess but I feel like I'm clutching at straws. I mean, he asked Emily to dance to Lady in Red, for God's sake. It must mean something. It's not like he asked her to dance to a song by Snap. (laughs) Oh well, piss flaps, eh? (laughs) Nothing else is really good at the moment. Life's completely crap, shit. Monday, 21st of Jan, later on. What annoys me is the fact that everyone seems to think, oh, Marsha doesn't mind about that sort of thing. Marsh, I could never imagine you on a date. Marsha, I can't imagine you being in love. Two actual quotes from my school friends. (laughs) I really don't understand the way people work. I mean, I wish life were more simple. It would be good if you knew by the look or the smell of someone if they fancied you. (laughs) Enough to go out with you or not. Or who they did fancy if not you. I mean, I suppose body talk is supposed to say it all, but which one is it? Give me half hugs whenever I walk by? Or asking Emily fucking Richardson? (laughs) Slow dance to Lady in Red by Krista by Fucking Bird. No one knows what fucking stuff I'm going through. I'm in love with this bloke. Tuesday, 22nd of Jan, 1991. I got dressed up in what I was wearing on Saturday and put a tape on and did a bit of dancing like I did at the party in front of the mirror. And I really looked like a trog. I wish I'd worn my red crush velvet skirt instead. Fuck. Compared to other people, like Emily fucking
6: Richardson.
5: I looked like a fucking ugly sister with dressed up Cinderella. The thing is, I've always liked Emily. But now... Whenever I see her, I just feel this big grudge against her. For now, I'll leave you with this. And then there's a table. (laughs) Blokes who I've gotten a boost from them fancying me or from me getting off with them. Name, Sean. Age, 16. Comments, need I say more? (laughs) Name, Chris Beardmore got off with. Age, 14. Comments, Canadian accent. Whoa. Name Danny, age 17. Comments, ask me out. I said no. Apparently, he's now turned druggy. Shit. Wow, now my mind has been completely sidetracked from Sean. I am happy again. If I think about it now, I don't fancy him anymore. (laughs) But if I think about saying, Emily, you can have him all for yourself, I get possessive. I'm so confused.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Marcia, ladies and gentlemen. Proving that there is no heartbreak that can't be solved by a spreadsheet. Uh, Sometimes the things we've wrote as kids can act as a yardstick. We can look back and use them to see how the way we act and the things we believe change and evolve over time. Our next reader, Heather, brought along a few journal entries from two distinct points in her life. Some entries from middle school and some written a few years later in high school. Live on stage in Toronto, here's Heather.
7: September 20th, 1999. Dear journal, I'm so mad. This girl named Jessica asked Ron out for me. I don't know why, if it's a pastime for her or what, but I didn't want her to. To my surprise, he said yes. I didn't know what to say. Then for some reason, I guess he changed his mind. Ugh, what if? He said he didn't want to go out with me because I fart. Jeremy, Tanya's ex, heard me fart once. One time. I was joking around. Ever since then, Jeremy calls me farts. Jeremy told Ron, so now he doesn't want to go out with me. Do I care? Not really. I guess the only thing about Ron I'm worried about is that he's going to tell everyone that I fart. July 26, 2002. The night after John's party, I was sick and Brian came to my house to visit me and I thought he was being really sweet. And when I made out with him, I thought, wow, this guy is so amazing. That night, Brian had already kissed two other girls before me. I'm not in the game. Brian is the game. Therefore, no more. I'm not going to be his girl anymore. I'm not like that. I want to meet a guy like the boy from A Walk to Remember. <laughs> he was perfect. July 26, later that day. I slept on everything and have come up with this. It's gone to his head, all these girls. I'm not adding to that anymore. I need to find someone else. I have one thing to say. No one's stopping me. Life is a highway and I'm gonna ride it all <laughs> night long.
6: One more time for Heather, ladies and gentlemen.
0: As we just heard, Heather was upset when she learned that the boy she'd been kissing at a party had also been kissing other girls that same night. Fidelity can be a tricky thing to navigate when you're a teenager. Now, earlier in the show, we heard Andrew read a poem he wrote to a girl when he was 13, but... That was not the only thing Andrew brought to our Toronto show. He also brought a journal entry, written when he was 13 and, like Heather, dealing with fidelity, kissing, and parties. Here's Andrew.
1: Sarah and I celebrated our one month today. It was okay. Actually, it was great. But some stuff went on tonight. Stuff I feel bad about. Here's the story. I went to Sarah's party tonight, not expecting anything to go on between anyone but me and Sarah. Little did I know that what would happen when we got there that night. At first, everything was fine. We started out by talking, then we listened to music. Then came the moment that made me feel this bad. First, it was okay. We started playing that stupid childish spin the bottle game. It was okay. I kissed Sarah many times, and Ashley once on the lips, twice on the cheek. Then came the game seven minutes in heaven. This is why I feel bad. (laughs) Ashley and I went down to the wash, which is like a dry riverbed in Arizona, to spend our seven minutes. We were going to spend them talking. So we got down there, and we started talking. And then I said, Ashley, while we're down here, there's something I want to try. (laughs) Then she says, fine, but I'm not saying anything. So we get closer, and we started kissing, open mouth and all. Well, that would have been fine, but no, I couldn't stop there. I had to put my hand on her breast. So after five minutes of kissing and my hand on her breast, we came back up and went our own ways. I, of course, immediately went to Sarah to reassure her that nothing happened. A lie. Argh. So that's why I feel really bad. So we have sworn to secrecy that we won't tell anyone. But how can you forget about something that you've wanted since seventh grade? I mean, sure, it felt good. But arg, too confusing. I will write again tomorrow. Good night. I think what strikes me the most about that journal entry is just how careless and reckless I was with other people's feelings. I was pretty confused. And of course, I knew that what I was doing was wrong. Um, I didn't really think much of it at the time at when I was doing it. But then, you know, later on in the evening or a couple days later, I obviously had some regret and remorse about it. If I could go back and tell 13-year-old Andrew some advice, what would it be? Just be a little bit more considerate of other people's feelings and, you know, slow down and really think about the actions that you're doing and how they could affect somebody else.
0: At our live shows, we're always looking to include as wide a range of material as possible. Different readers, different ages, different formats. And our next reader, Erin, she brought along an incredibly wide range of her own material. She read school assignments, short stories, and diary entries written from age 8 all the way up to 17. And if you listen closely, you'll hear the progression. Here's Erin.
8: nineteen eighty-three, eight years old. My First Communion. On my First Communion, I got Jesus for the first time. (laughs) And I was in the first seat. Then we went downstairs and I had a good time. (laughs) Friends. I like my friends. They help me. Sometimes they need help, so I help them. But we cannot help our friends on a test. The end. (laughs) Dogs. Dogs run fast. They can run faster than we can. I like dogs, and I like cats too, but dogs are colorblind. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy is a pig, and she is on the Muppet Show. Miss Piggy has a long nose. Miss Piggy is a weird pig. 1984, nine years old. My monster, my monster is three feet tall. It has large teeth that look mean. And his only friend is a little baby bird that was abandoned. (laughs) He likes to eat fish and crab. Nobody likes him because everybody thinks he is ugly. (laughs) And then I drew a little picture that says, I have no name because nobody loves me. (laughs) 1989, 14 years old. The food at the Blue Jays game. (laughs) Going to a Blue Jays game at the Dome is great, but the food stinks. Hot dogs, nachos, peanuts, and hot cashews. These were the foods of the good old baseball games. But now what do we have? McDonald's. We can no longer capture the real taste of the game. Instead, we get the taste of substitute hamburger and chicken coated with ketchup <laughs> for the high price of $2.95. <laughs>
6: 1992,
8: 17 years old. These are writings from my teenage journal. I am worried and I don't want this relationship to affect my schoolwork. I still feel bad and mad about skipping gym to go shopping with him. This relationship is screwing me up so much. Why did I ever have to skip a class? I just did it to see what it would be like, and now I am, I guess you could say, hooked on it. (laughs) Next entry. I was going to wear Matt's necklace to bed, but for some reason I was compelled to remove it because I had the greatest fear that it would strangle me. <laughs> I was afraid that I would die. Before I die, I want to have sex.
0: One more time for Aaron, ladies and gentlemen. That is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote as Kids for this episode and for the season. That's right, this is the last podcast episode of 2015. We will be back in early 2016 with season three that means more brand new podcast episodes and more live events i would love to hear the things you wrote when you were a kid for a heads up about upcoming live shows you can join the email newsletter at grown-ups read they wrote as kids.com or even easier follow the link in the show notes on your device right now We're planning to announce our first live events of 2016 very shortly, so if you are not on the newsletter, subscribe now. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening.